What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Next Big Thing podcast, where we interview the founders and CEOs of crowdfunding startups. Today, we have a guest who's not only disrupting the coffee industry, but also changing how we think about mental health and wellness. Meet James Reyna, one of the co-founders of Jibby Coffee, a revolutionary brand that's pioneering what they call the fourth wave coffee movement. Love that phrase. James isn't just another an entrepreneur jumping on a trend. This is a guy whose journey, whose coffee began, journey with coffee began in childhood, roasting beans in his mom's kitchen and forming a deep sentimental connection to the craft. From there, he honed his expertise by traveling the world to sample different coffee varieties, eventually opening his own cafe in 2015. Now imagine your daily cup of coffee, but with an added ingredient that elevates your focus and calms your nerves. James, along with his co-founder, Alvara Otega, has fused the uplifting effects of caffeine with the grounding benefits of CBD, creating Jibby Coffee. Born out of personal struggles with ADHD from Alvo and caffeine sensitivity from James, Jibby Coffee aims to provide a more intentional, healthier, and calmer coffee experience for everyone. But it's not just about making a great cup of coffee for James. It's about setting a new standard for what customers can expect from a business in terms of both product quality and social responsibility. They're currently raising on WeFunder, and that round will be closing on November 16th. The link to their campaign will be in the description. Make sure you check it out and consider an investment. With that being said, James, welcome to the Next Big Thing podcast, and thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, James, I was obviously a lot in that intro. I guess I'll start with this. Just tell us the story behind uh, how you ended up starting Jimmy Coffee. Sure. Well, yeah, like you said, I've been roasting coffee for a long time. My mom is a avid home roaster, but when she started, I was probably 11 or 12 and we would roast coffee just in like a popcorn machine on the stovetop. And that was really like my foray into the coffee world and her just getting started with, with becoming like an amateur roaster. Um, that became a big part of my life. When I was 17, 18, I took a semester from school and I opened a pop-up cafe in Brooklyn, got a short-term lease built the whole thing from the ground up. It was a very formative experience. We didn't make a lot of money. I don't think that was even really the goal, but that kind of kicked off my uh, entrepreneurial journey and specifically in coffee. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, fast forward a few years, went to school, graduated, got a degree in business, studied painting first, but stopped, stopped doing that. <laughs> um, but I think there are a lot of similarities in painting and business and the, and the creativity and what's expressed through and actually the Jibby brand. But I ended up joining a program called Venture for America. And in that program is where I met my co-founder, Alvaro. Um, Alvaro has a really cool backstory because he's he's been prescribed ADD meds since he was like 12, like the full gamut from Adderall to Ritalin to Concerta. And in his 20s, he was looking for something more natural to make him feel good, to make him feel focused and without the negative side effects that you get from being constantly med medicated. And um, among many things, he found changing lifestyle habits, changing his diet, changing the way that he exercises, all of these things synergistically help you feel good. And the key, I think what he discovered was that uh, there's no easy fix and consistency is really the key to your wellness journey. We were talking about this together and we were talking about how he actually had been adding uh, some of his wellness ingredients, some of his supplements like collagen, like CBD into his coffee because his coffee represented that consistency. And if you drink your coffee every day, that that was sort of our anchor for wellness. And that was the inception of Jibby. 
Well, I love Jibby, Jibby Coffee and the brand. Can you talk a little bit more just about the issues with coffee that Jibby Coffee is trying to solve? Oh, yeah. Good, great question. So I think there's two folds of why there is Jibby. One is because coffee can make you restless. Like caffeine, caffeine is really interesting because caffeine is, is basically the coffee plant's natural defense mechanism. Like by design, it's actually supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and restless and raises your heart rate. Just so happens that it gives you energy also. And so the energy is a good thing. The restlessness, the anxiety, those are bad things. And so we found that by pairing CBD and also MCT oil with the caffeine, we can actually smooth out some of the bad side effects, keep the energy, but it keeps you in sort of a flow state. Like when you have a good cup of coffee or you're in the right mindset, you actually feel productive. You don't feel jittery. And that's what we're trying to recreate every time. It took us a long time to really get the dosing dialed in for that, that Goldilocks dosing where the CBD wasn't overpowering the caffeine. And the caffeine wasn't overpowering the CBD, but they would actually work synergistically. So you mentioned CBD a couple times. Can you break down CBD for us and kind of give us a more detailed definition? Because I have a pretty fuzzy understanding of CBD. And so can you tell us uh, just how it works in the coffee, how it makes you feel, and why it's a better alternative than just drinking regular coffee? Yeah, absolutely. So, so. I think CBD is a sometimes misunderstood ingredient. It was legalized really fully for sale in the U.S. in 2018 from the Farm Bill. And there was still a lot of murkiness over how people could talk about the ingredient. And it was actually a very unregulated ingredient. And what ended up happening is all of these, I guess, bad players came in and they tried to capitalize on the CBD market. And they said, it does this and it does that. And it's this cure-all amazing ingredient. And I think some of those are based in a bit of reality, but they can be over-exaggerated. So CBD is really great. It affects your endocannabinoid system differently for everybody. So for some people, it makes you feel more relaxed and more focused. For other people and higher doses, it can help you sleep. But at the end of the day, CBD is a derivative of the cannabis plant, just like THC is. THC gets you high. It has psychoactive effects, but CBD does not get you high. It still affects your system in some of those positive ways, but you don't immediately feel a result as much as you feel a result from THC, which, you know, impairs your ability to do certain certain things, depending on who you are. And um, for us, what we found was that the CBD, especially cumulatively taken over time, is when you're going to see most of the benefits. Like a lot of clinical studies about CBD aren't what does it do when you take it once. It's how does it, how does it improve your uh, anxiety when you take it over the course of two weeks. And so that's where the pairing of coffee comes in. Because coffee is that habit that you consume every morning, sometimes two or three cups a day. So that gives you the conduit to feel the cumulative benefits of something like CBD. A lot of people consume CBD. They go buy it from a, a gas station or something, and they're like, oh, I don't really feel much. And that's that's true. You're not going to just feel something right away from that ingredient. That's not how it works. I mentioned in my intro, and to kind of go along with the theme of CBD, uh, the fourth wave of coffee. Um, you have a graphic in your WeFunder campaign that talks about those four waves, which is functional beverages, coffee, obviously, CBD, and adaptogens. Um, and you're calling it a $465 billion coffee market. Um, how are you attempting to attack that market? And what makes you think that Jibby is almost entering it at the right time? Good question. Well, coffee has extremely loyal uh, customer bases, right? So like, like people who love Starbucks are very loyal to Starbucks. People who love Blue Bottle are very loyal to Blue Bottle and so on. 
only if your brand has something that stands makes it stand out from the others can you acquire those customers and get them to cross that gap and because our coffee is like you said we, we call it the fourth wave of coffee because we have these other functional ingredients in it there's a layer of um something fresh that other brands just haven't been offering that makes you want to take that leap and try something new like there's a good reason to take that leap and because the coffee tastes great also there's good reason to stay right like there's really two major parts of retail and acquiring a customer first is trial just getting them to try something new is a challenge and then and then um repeat right getting them to come back and continuing continuously buy it and incorporate jibby into their daily ritual okay so now i want to dive in a little bit more into the coffee part of it um i know a considerable amount about coffee myself and from what I do know is that sourcing the beans um, sustainably and organically is incredibly important. Just getting the right beans, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So can you bring yeah. your supply chain, how you go from bean to uh, final product? Yeah, sure. Well, so there's a, there's a number of different ways. In it. So we co-pack, right? We don't actually make all the coffee. We have a co-manufacturer right. who we work with. We develop the formula. We pass that formula along to them and they help make it. When we started... Uh, we probably went through 40, 30 to 40 different roasts. Every single roast that we chose was a fair trade organic. So we pay extra for FTO, which is, um, uh, I think worth it. And I think more companies should be doing. Um, and then we developed a roast along, along with a roaster, um, in uh, Connecticut. And it's a long process, but you know, we roast beans. Uh, when we started, we roasted beans. We move them over to our co-packer. Co-packer would grind the beans and brew on site in tanks. Um, more or less, that's how the formula has gone since we started. But there's different there's different changes. Sometimes we'll make concentrates based of our, based on our blend, so it's easier to ship stuff around because roasting in one facility than moving and grinding and brewing uh, is a lot to do in a supply chain. So we've simplified that in most of our most recent productions, where we use a concentrated version of that where all of the, the roasting, brewing and grinding, grinding and brewing happens on site. And then the concentrate is kept and that has like a two or three year shelf life. And we're able to utilize that in our production runs. It makes things much faster and more efficient. So then to kind of go into another part, which is the uh, you know functional, functional health, I think is one of them. And then adaptogens, which is basically you're attacking a customer that is very health centric. Um, mm-hmm. I, this is a genuine question because I don't know the answer to it. How much harder is it to attack those customers than it is a general coffee drinker? Um, is that a higher cost to acquire that customer? Is it lower? Are they more receptive? What's that been like for you guys? Well, uh, I think we straddle the line of being a food and beverage company and also being a health and wellness company. And health and wellness really, uh, it requires a great deal of consumer trust. And really, that's how you're going to acquire customers, because you can't just say, like some of the, the bad CBD players I mentioned before, like this cures your anxiety and this cures this and this cures chronic pain. Like you really have to be honest with the feeling that you're giving to your customers. You have to make sure that your ingredients are coming from trusted sources. Like here's a good example. Um, on the back of every one of our cans, we have a QR code. That QR code goes back to the batch of every single can of every single production run from that can and shares the lab results, the COAs. It shows what major cannabinoids are in there, that we're, that the 25 milligrams that we say is in here is actually in here. 
We test for heavy metals, pesticides, microbials, things like that, the full gamut. And I think the more and more transparent that we can be, the more trust that we get in the health and wellness side. And therefore, it lowers that barrier to entry and lowers the cost of acquiring new customers. And I think that's also important, too, because you're you're putting the customer first by being as transparent as you are, by showing them the lab reports and showing them all the ingredients. And when you're trying to build a company, you want to be customer centric at all times. But you did show the can a little bit. Yeah. And I love the packaging. So I kind of want to shift to talk about the packaging. Talk to us about your process from start to now of the packaging, how you changed it over time and Mr. Jibby and just the creation of Mr. Jibby. Sure. <laughs> so uh, when we started about two and a half years ago, we were completely bootstrapped, like dumped all of our money into this into this brand. And I think we paid somebody 500 bucks on Fiverr. Our brand didn't look like what it does now, but we had a can in the market. Um, and that was basically our MVP. It was uh, full of text and it was messy and it said CBD, coffee, cold brew, Colombian, and all of these basically different uh, call to actions right on the can. And when we did sampling events, like we would go to the stores we were in, we would watch how people interact with our can. We realized um, the hierarchy of information on a can has to be really succinct because consumers in the retail level, they only have about three seconds to look at each new item before they make their decision and keep scanning the shelf. And so we took a lot of the learnings that we had from our initial sampling events and we condensed things down to just say exactly what was needed, like brand name, what the product is, which this one is an oat milk latte, and the CBD content, right? And then down here, what, what it's for, focus and clarity benefits. So um, Mr. Jibby came also from a funny uh, a funny constraint that forced us to use an illustration on our can, which was early in the CBD days, and still now, you have to be really careful about the claims that you make on your can. You can't say that much uh, about the feelings. So we, we thought we would use a mascot to basically convey the feeling and the brand ethos. So we're showing it instead of just saying it outright. And Mr. Jibby just became the total brand mascot for everything that we've launched since then. And I, yeah, I love it. I mean, I want to <laughs> drink a coffee that makes me look and feel like Mr. Jibby myself. So it's doing a great job. It's right. accomplishing the mission. Now, you talked about hierarchy of information. I kind of want to touch back on that. What's the most important uh, piece of information that a consumer wants to see on the shelf? Is it the brand name or is it the mission? Is it what you're trying to accomplish or the ingredients? Can you kind of give us some more insight on that? Uh, that's such a good question. I think it's totally brand okay. dependent, right? Like uh, for us, for Jibby specifically, like we really are trying to build a long-term brand and especially something that, like I said, relies on repeat customers lifetime value that we made jibby the biggest thing you see but it's also in a way that sort of is, is to the side so it has this big text and it's one of the first things that you see that it can is like very recognizable on the shelf but then the first thing you really want to see is like what what is right. the product and we consider ourselves more of a coffee like a coffee brand before a cbd brand or a wellness brand like you're, you're getting a coffee or drinking something that's delicious that you love, but it has these other benefits. So if you kind of see in that order, you have brand, what the product is, and then sort of the differentiator, what's, what else is in it. So now shifting the focus to distribution, how are you getting this product out to customers? Well, we have three main channels. We have 
distributors that we work with. So we ship distributors a few pallets at a time. They break it down and they sell to retail to, to retail stores, and those retail stores sell to the end consumer. Secondly, we have a direct wholesale program, so we make relationships directly with retailers, and we ship or hand deliver right to them. So, like I'm in New York City, my co-founder's in Miami, and uh, if there's a close retailer, we'll do hand deliveries. Third is direct to consumers. So we're live on our website, yubicoffee.com. And just recently, we launched on Amazon, not for our CBD SKUs, but for some new SKUs, which we're announcing this week. Um, and I will say, like, retail is real hand-to-hand combat. Like, you've got to be in the trenches. You've got to be doing ride-alongs with your salespeople. You have to make sure, especially in a field like CBD, you have to make sure that you're educating not only the end consumer, but also the people selling it, making sure that we're merchandised in the right section of the store. And making sure that the right POS material, like the mer- like if you ever see a sort of like stickers or little danglers that are by uh, food products that explain a little bit more. Um, we're heavily relying on those because there's an education hurdle in CBD, right? It's such a new ingredient. So, James, when I think about competition, uh, my mind kind of wanders to things like uh, Rise, who are going with the functional mushroom coffee. Um, that could just be me not knowing the industry as well, but, uh, who are you competing with? And to go along with that, uh, what makes you better or what makes Jibby a better alternative? Yeah, I, I think Mudwater is a really interesting company playing in almost a parallel space. So what Mudwater's done, and I think it's a really good unlock is that they've, they've anchored this wellness habit into a new drink, right? They, they, they say, they say uh, they call themselves a coffee alternative. Like right. their marketing has has like made an enemy out of coffee. Like you can see their co-founder on uh, their founder on ad saying "fuck coffee" or "fuck your coffee." Right? Like they've created an, an enemy, and I think that yeah. just creates a really great brand story for them. But the truth is, almost eighty percent of Americans drink coffee every day. Like it is such an entrenched ritual in our lifestyle that I think they're missing an opportunity of adding that wellness that wellness stack into coffee itself. So that's how we're different is that we use coffee as the anchor instead of, hey, drink this other thing called mud. And I actually like mud water. I think they're a great brand. I think it tastes good. But it's inherently not coffee. And I think people want that. They don't necessarily want to change their habits, but they want to improve upon existing habits. I think that's a really interesting point because I'm a coffee drinker myself. I, as you said, 80% of America is. And, I mean, I wouldn't do without it. I love the taste of it. It's not just the caffeine fix and make me feel like I want to run through a brick wall. Like, I actually like, you know, tasting coffee and drinking it in the morning and the ritual of it. It's something to look forward to. And, you know, it's yeah. a lot easier to tell somebody, do the same thing, just do it better than say, don't do this ever again. Um, so I, yeah. I actually think that's a really important distinction you're making. And that word that you mentioned, ritual, like that's, that is the core of our business, like the vision and the business model itself. Like we rely on repeat customers. Um, coffee is something that's drank on average two to three times per day per person and focusing on ritual as this sort of path towards wellness is really key. Like I've said this before, but you know, when you go to the gym, like you don't expect to get a six pack in one day, like it's this journey that requires a level of consistency. And that's, and like when I say being honest and transparent to your consumers about what you're going to get out of this product, that's what we try to say. It's not a one-time thing, right? Like this is a, this is a, this is a journey that requires consistency. Uh, to start to feel better. It, it, and you know, it's it's something that has kind of gone a lot over a lot of people's heads, in my opinion, in the wellness community. You talk about things like uh, antidepressants, right? You're not going to 
general antidepressants, you're not going to take it one time and feel better, right? Uh, as yeah. Rise, right? You're going to have to take them over a period of time to see that. So, I mean, there's going to be, number one, a considerable amount of people in the wellness community that have already had that experience with something. But there's also a lot of people that need to understand there's not a one-stop fix to, you know, feeling anxious and jittery all the time. So yeah. I think your, you know, your message plans perfectly into that industry as well. Um, yeah, spot on, spot on. So um, wanted to go more to your growth. You guys are uh, obviously doing very well. I see 450% year-over-year growth, 250000 in sales, 350 active retailers. I could go on and on. Um, maybe to kind of go along with um, what we were talking about, the ritual, um, how are you trying to become a ritual in more people's days? And, you know, what's your – uh, you know, plan of action right now and continued go-to-market strategy. Yeah, uh, launching a new product. So, so CB is really interesting because it is a novel ingredient that shows a lot of promise. But and it was recently legalized right in 2018. But there's still a tremendous amount of roadblocks. There are a lot of gatekeepers. For example, at the retail level, most of the major uh, retail chains don't allow CBD in food and beverage yet. Like okay. our general thesis and the reason that we started when we did is that CBD will become this widely accepted food and beverage ingredient, but it's going to take time. So like we're right at the beginning of that. Now, uh, the, the thing is we can't just sit around and wait for that to happen, but we want to start executing on our brand vision and our product roadmap vision, which is offering basically like a full suite of wellness products that fit within the rituals of coffee and tea. So we, we just soft launched this on Amazon. It's our, already been crushing it. It's a, matcha we're calling it a super latte it's matcha it has collagen in it it has functional mushrooms in it, it has ashwagandha mct oil powder spirulina um things that have benefits when taken daily uh over time like similar to cbd that fit within within that core kind of like ingredient uh tier and we just launched that on amazon and we're going to continue to launch new products that still fit within our vision but don't have the same roadblocks that cbd does like another example I actually can't run Easily, you, you, there's some workaround ways, but you can't easily run meta ads for CBD products. You can't run TikTok ads, TikTok ads for CBD products. You can't go on Amazon with CBD products. There are like black hat workarounds that you can do it. Um, they're a little bit sketch and we try to do things the legit way. So the best thing that we can do right now is start to launch things that are allowed in those marketplaces and those channels. And, uh, honestly, the matcha already were, were ranked under number 100 on all on Amazon for all matcha tea just from a soft launch we're going to be announcing it officially this week can you talk more about those marketing troubles because uh that's I read an article about that might have been a week or so ago about how CBD companies in general are having trouble trouble raising money just because there's so many roadblocks so can you talk about those roadblocks and maybe how you're starting to overcome them and how you're marketing if well, you run a meta ad or something yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you're right. It's hard to raise money in CBD for two reasons. One is because VCs are, are risk averse. Like that's, that's their job for the most part is like picking not, not risky, um, companies to invest in. And CBD holds an inherent risk, uh, because there's still legal murkiness over what's going to happen over the next few years. Now, every, usually every few months, positive news comes out. In fact, at the end of September, there's another hearing about what's going to happen with CBD. Um, it's all trending in the right direction and you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but it's going to take time. And like rightfully so, VCs are still a little bit uh, weary to just dump a bunch of money into it. 
Um, and so, so one of the reasons that we started crowdfunding is because like we have a really dedicated consumer base and tribe of people who consume Jibby and who have the same thesis and belief that we do, like that this is a good ingredient. Um, and it's going to continue to be one and, and one that's allowed. So that's why we opened up the crowdfunding. And to be honest, I think that's why we found so much success from raising from our community. We have raised some VC money. Um, not a huge amount of it, but, uh, crowdfunding has like, absolutely blown away our expectations the amount of people who are customers who are now part owners owners of our brand and stakeholders in our company it's really cool. brendan and i have noticed that that the d2c startups that go on crowdfunding platforms they end up converting their consumers or their customers to investors their investors to customers and they grow their brand awareness and it's it's a really good strategy yeah. right for a go-to-market strategy for the d2c startups yeah 100 percent. and look like when you think about your marketing funnel and you have awareness and consideration and acquisition and down the loyalty. And then at the very bottom, like the, the best person that your customer can be can, is an advocate, like somebody who doesn't just love your, your company and comes back and keeps buying, but who shares it with other people. And the amount of activation that we've had from people who are invested in Jibby to start sharing it uh, with their network, like that just creates this enormous snowball effect and network effect. That's, probably like 90% uh, of like the reason for the success in this campaign so far. So with that being said, talk about the customer feedback and the customer responsiveness that you've received since you started and that what you're receiving now. And I guess, what are the main reasons why people continue to buy Jibby coffee? Yeah, uh, we have like all sorts of different tiers of why people consume it. Like, I mentioned this before, but CBD has sort of like different value propositions depending on how your body uh, interacts with that cannabinoid. So I, I have a subscriber who I think has been on like a monthly supply for like almost two years. And he says, and he says that he feels better with like chronic pain. He's an older guy. He's in his fifties. Like he feels better with chronic pain than he has like back problems from consuming this coffee every day because it has that 25 milligrams of CBD in it. Um, there are other people, usually younger, younger audiences, like our younger customers are, uh, are drinking Jibby as a way to like study and focus. Like instead of drinking a like super sugary yeah. energy drink or a monster, like that's how they're activating their flow state. And, uh, because the branding is sort of skews a little bit younger and it looks good. Like I think people really like having it in school settings, like at the library and like having it out on your table. I think there's like some kind of, signaling effect right of like bringing your starbucks right to your yeah, library yeah. and like having it on your table while you study i think that's a really cool brand building sort of like a barometer of like are you proud to be drinking this in front of people and holding it and like we have an insane amount of pre-earned media from people who buy jibby in store and then post videos or pictures of it just because it lends itself really well to sure well, that's how you know they really like the product too Right. When they drink it, consume it, but also share it with the rest of the world. So that's always a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I do like, though, how you're using coffee as the anchor and then figuring out a way to add wellness as kind of a plus because everyone's 80% of the people drink coffee every single day. They have to drink coffee to function. So why would you not want to drink coffee that also makes you function at a very high level, but makes you feel good or makes your body feel better, whether it's getting rid of the chronic pain, whether it's making you more focused and less erratic. And that's a great idea. 
Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's something that's like unspoken, but it has to be said, like, if you're going to, uh, release a product like that, it has to taste really good. Like who cares if it's like good for you and it does all these positive things. Like you're not going to drink it every day. If it tastes like shit. Um, and so like flavor formulations is a big part of us getting started and making sure that we're always listening to feedback, like making a really good taste in canned coffee is actually really hard. I don't know if you saw, um, Chamberlain coffee, if you're familiar with them, it's run by this like big podcaster and influencer. She dropped a ready to drink coffee and it tasted so bad. (laughs) She actually went like viral on, on TikTok for how bad it tastes because she's a, she's a big audience. They launched in all these Walmarts everywhere. She was going mega viral just because it tasted terrible. But, uh, but props to them, like they're reformulating, they're making sure that they're getting, they're taking that feedback seriously and making something that tastes good. But canned coffee that tastes excellent is a challenge for one interesting, or a few interesting reasons. But one specifically is that coffee is this inherently like personal beverage, right? Like when you, when you go buy a coffee, you say how you want them or to make it, or you add your sugar and you add your milk, right? right? And as soon as you put it into a can, like that's it. You're not going to, some people do, but you're not really going to pour it out and then add your sugar and add your milk into a can of coffee, right? You're going to drink it out of a can. That's the idea. It's grab and go. So like trying to straddle all of the taste profiles that people have in such a subjective industry of taste um, is hard. It's really hard. So like we started with just a black cold brew with no milk, no sugar. People wanted something that was sweeter and creamier. So we launched an oat milk latte. People wanted something that was even sweeter. So we dropped a mocha. Some people don't drink coffee, so we started exploring tea, and we launched our matcha latte. Uh, but even still, like uh, the future of Jibby products in the next four to six months is actually launching brewables. Like that's our next big category, stuff that you make at home. And so that's what we soft launch on Amazon. Actually, is like a matcha powder latte that you make. It's not in a can, but it gives the user the ability to like make it how they want. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions. Was you know. Because coffee is such again such a personal beverage, and people like it a million different ways. Was there a path to you know really empowering the customer that way? So you answered that question. Um, and another thing that you made me think of was uh, I was taking Athletic Greens recently for a month or two, and the the reason yeah. I stopped drinking them is I didn't like the taste. Like I you know yeah. if it's going to be a ritual in my day and it's something I'm going to drink, I want it to taste good. So you're 100 percent right. I mean the first step is it needs to taste good. If it doesn't taste good, people aren't going to have it. You know that's just not the way people's psychology works. Um, yeah. And I've heard that about AG1 like so often because they have a, they do a really great job of crying customers. Yeah. They have a really excellent value proposition and formulation that like does feel like it's, it does what it's supposed to do. Um, but they've asked consumers to like create this new space in their, in their daily habits. Right. And like, like same thing I said about mud water, I actually would put AG1 in the same kind of category of, um, Although I think they're more like physical performance related in my mind. And we're trying to go for more of the mental health and psychological side of wellness. So I wanted to touch on something that is uh, a part of your WeFunder page as well. We didn't really get to, which is uh, social responsibility, which is a a big part of your company. Can you talk about um, what your guys, maybe not stance, because it's, I obviously know you guys have a good stance on it, but you know, how you're, what initiatives you're taking to ensure social responsibility? Yeah, uh, off the bat, one person for the planet was like the easiest choice. It was like not even a, a question between my co-founder and I. I really like the idea of sort of like 
almost like passive altruistic charity, right? Where it's like, I don't, we don't need to overextend or overcommit. It's like, we're just steadily making sure that 1% of every single dollar that we earn goes to a charity. So that scales up and it scales down with how good or bad we're doing. I think there's a lot of pressure on startups to be really good to the planet and to the world. And to be honest, it's ex it's expensive as a young brand to be buying compostable mailers and to be doing all of these sustainable practices. And sometimes you don't get to do it all in the beginning and you do it as much as you can. And then as you grow, you can scale that up. Like right now we do compostable mailers. It is expensive. We do fair trade organic coffee and tea sourcing. We have to pay for that. We have the 1% for the planet commitment on top of it. Like those are things that are ingrained into our com company culture from the start. And that will only continue to sort of like add on and, and compound as we grow. So growth wise, um, you know, I, I actually, I hate to keep referencing your WeFunder page, but it's great, but uh, you have a slide <laughs> that, um, it's this slide right here, which I'll put up. It's about the time you need to be in the market and how big these brands have gotten. You have Mudwater, Super Coffee, Athletic Greens, you know, 13 years in the market, 1.2 billion. So two part question again. Um, what are your guys' top three growth areas that you're trying to address right now? And then maybe on the other side of it, a couple barriers uh, barriers to growth that you're experiencing right now. Yeah, cool. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us online that we haven't broken into yet. And the reason we haven't broken into it yet is, one, because advertising CBD online is challenging, really challenging because of regu regulatory reasons. And two, because the margins for shipping liquid is really high. And so in direct response to those two things, we started launching these this brewable lines. It's not CBD infused, but it still has that functional benefit vision that we have. Um, we noticed, like I said, that people love sharing the brand and it's really conducive to virality. And so unfortunately, we're not able to double down on the sharing that we get naturally organically because we can't run ads off of those and we can't basically like boost can't boost those posts, but we get them. And so now by by kind of shifting business model a little bit, extending it to, to, to this brewable section, we can start to actually capture that demand. And I think like just the fact that we went on Amazon a few weeks ago and we're already top 100 in matcha is testament to that. Like we haven't been running ad spend behind it. We haven't even announced it to our customer base. It's just on the shelf of Amazon and doing really well. And I think that's going to be our focus over the next eight to 12 months. It's going to be a major revenue driver in retail. When we look at CBD, um, uh, I, I don't want to use the word too literally, but there's a bit of a ceiling of the amount of stores that you can get into in each market yeah. because we can't access the big chains like New York city. We're in about 200 bodegas um, uh, over the rest of the U S we're in about a hundred, 150 other stores, but because we can't, uh, scale into the big chains in our own backyard, it's really hard to get to that next level. Like the, the incremental cost of acquiring new stores isn't worth it when you're just adding one store at a time. Like usually the growth trajectory of retail is like you build up a few hundred stores in your backyard, you share your data and we have really strong repeat. We have really strong trial. You share your data to a Walmart, to a Target, to a Kroger, to a Safeway, to chains, you know, chains of 50 to 100 or 200 to 500. And then you're able to boost a bunch of stories at a time. Um, this, the unfortunate truth is that the CBD regulation is a roadblock right now where we can't scale into big chains. 
So we're keeping basically maintenance of the current existing accounts that we have, continuing to service those and shifting our product roadmap a little bit earlier to make the brewables happen now. So we're not just waiting around for regulation change and stores stores to start opening their doors to CBD because we don't know when that will be. Yeah, that makes sense. For the, the brewables, I'm curious about that. How is that going to work? Is it going to be like a K-cup or is it going to be more of just coffee grains that you pour in and you make hot coffee? Format is really interesting. Ultimately, all of the formats are on the table for us. Um, K-cups is a tremendously huge category that's basically owned by KDP, by Keurig. I think a lot of people are ignoring that space. It's ultra convenient. Uh, It's actually really cheap. Um, There's a challenge when we think about functional ingredients in K-cups because you have to make sure that the ingredients that you put in your K-cup make it into the end cup. Okay, that makes... So there's actually a challenge there, right? And so the easier thing to do for us getting started, we're kind of working on that in the background, but the easiest thing for us to do to get started is more of a mud water approach where it's a a powder mix, like a latte mix, that you just add water, highly mixable, like it's really just add water. You can actually brew it hot or cold and it doesn't clump or get chunky. And... Um, that's the easiest way to ensure all of the benefits of the ingredients actually get into your cup and that you, that makes sense. I never thought about that K cups, you know, there might be like 20% of the actual K cup ingredients that never make it into the coffee just because of the way it works in the process. Um, so then what is your big goal and vision? How about goals for the next five years for Jibby coffee? And then big vision, dreaming big, where do you see Jibby coffee? Um, I want to actually answer the second one first. Um, where I see, so so going back to what got me started really was the retail brick and mortar, like opening up door the, I had these big blue doors. We would open up doors to the coffee shop every morning and it was like 6.30 AM, turn on the coffee machine, like make the first cappuccino of the day and just know all of the customers that come in. Like we were two kids basically running this store. So we were very like community oriented, but I knew every single person's name. I knew every single person's dog's name. And I loved that experience. So in five, 10 years, I want to circle back. I want there to be Jibby retail stores that have this sort of like fourth wave of coffee in an actual store. Like you can go and depending on how far out we go, you can say, Hey, I want the blend. That's sort of the beauty mix. That's full of collagen and antioxidants and it's good for your skin. Right. Or we can get the one that's more a mood support coffee. And I want you to be able to choose sort of that functional wellness that you need. And that's kind of ingrained in what's made at the, at the actual cafe level. That's the future future. I would love to see that. Um, over the next five years, it's really going to, it's, it's really going to be locking down our um, full suite of like wellness products that I talked about. So like we go into brewables, we have our latte mixes, then we go into K cups. If we can get that down pat, um, hopefully CBD becomes a totally legalized thing and we can double down on that and start to scale up the stores that we're in. Like I, we actually went to a quick tangent. We went to Expo West at the beginning of the year. We won a free booth to Expo West, which is like a $20,000 booth. And we weren't planning on going, but we went and, we had meetings with some of the biggest retailers in the U.S., Costco, H-E-B, Albertsons, more than that even. And they all came to us and said, hey, we've been watching Jibby closely. We know you guys. Uh, we would love to have you on our shelf, but our hands are tied right now. So here's my card. Send me an email. Let's stay in touch. And as soon as CBD is allowed, That's you guys awesome. are in, basically. And um, 
which was both awesome and shitty at the same time. This was earlier this year, and that was really when we realized we can't just sit and wait around. That's really what actually sparked the line extension, accelerating brewables and non-CBD products, was we can't just wait around for that to happen. Um, uh, but anyways, coming back to the question, yeah, full suite of functional wellness products, waiting for CBD to sort of get the green light, which I think will happen soon. We'll see what happens at the end of September. And then um, format extension and flavor extension. So I think uh, when you think about the cafe experience and offerings, like you have coffee, you have chai, you have matcha, you have teas. I think we can take anything that has this ritualistic component and that fits with under the Jibby brand umbrella. So to kind of, we're getting a little short on time. So I want to make sure I had a couple questions I want to get through at the end. Um, first question is, a two-part question. I do a lot of those. Um, why should somebody invest in Jibby? And what is that money going to be used for? Yeah, good question. So one, we're growing like crazy. Um, uh, growth rate, like you said, has been about 400, 450% over the last year. Um, the early success of Macho, which I actually haven't put into the crowdfund campaign because this is a new development over the last few weeks, has been way above our projections, which is a great early indicator of us breaking into this sort of rule field. Um, and that's exactly what the money is going for is to start to launch these new initiatives that don't have the same roadblocks that uh, CBD does. And um, I'm actually going to be posting an update in the next week when we launch that and about some of the early success to our current investors. So we do like investor updates that are only available to, to current, current investors. So anybody who's participated in the round gets, gets these updates and gets to see sort of the inner workings of early progress of what their money's going towards and basically, you know, how we're turning $1 into $2 and how we're making that money back. All right. So I guess my last question is, um, how and why is Jibby going to change the way people drink coffee? I think, uh, I don't want to use the word lazy, but that might be what I, what I mean here. I think Americans, really want a lot of convenience let's use that word instead convenience with everything they did that they do and they want things to be i think easier and more functional like we're seeing functional uh food not just in coffee but functional food explode right now because a lot of consumers are asking when they consume something like what is the utility that i'm getting from this mm -hmm. like food food used to be better for you in absence like sugar free or fat free or whatever and like we're thinking about food as better for you in substance of like what's in that food that has benefits for you and i think uh there are a few brands in this way like we mentioned them like mud water and ag1 like that's really what makes jibby different that is awesome i that is an awesome way to put it that you know a lot of the developments in food over the last few decades have been you know gatorade zero or coke zero or you know getting rid of things that are bad not adding things that are good so i think that's a really good message and uh james i want to thank you for coming on i really enjoy getting to know getting to know you and jibby i'm gonna place an order after this episode because i actually really want to try it and uh i'll be up in new york in the next couple of weeks so i'll stop in a bodega as well and uh see if i can find a can and try yes. it as well and, so well uh, and with welcome, that being said James, what do you recommend we get? What six pack should we get? What flavor? 
if you're a purist, I would go for the just the cold brew. I think that's where you're going to get okay. the most sort of like who who and what is Jiffy because that was our first product. Okay. If you're a tea person, I love the matcha latte. Actually, that's that is our number one seller online really? right now. Okay. Matcha latte. So try that. All right, well, that's exciting. Yeah, we I, will. I like matcha myself, so I actually I might go after that. Um, I'll ship you guys down. Also, <laughs> no need to buy it. Don't just send me your address after this. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. Um, so for all the investors out there, they're on WeFunder closing November 16th. Uh, I believe it's WeFunder.com slash Jibby, J-I-B-B-Y. Uh, the link will be in the description if that is completely wrong. But, um, yeah, thank you, James. James, appreciate thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. For all the investors out there, right. we will see you next time on the next Big Thing podcast. So long.